0: Hello. Today's message is titled "Love Your Job," and it was recorded live at the First Baptist Church in Hagerman, New Mexico, August eighth, two thousand twenty-one. Hope you enjoy this message, and I hope it encourages you as you continue your walk with the Lord. And I hope that it encourages you to share Jesus with somebody else today. Morning. How's everyone? Good. I wanna. I want to thank you guys for praying for my family this week and praying over those little babies. They're doing good. They uh, they did that trick about halfway through it where they went ahead and gave it to me. So <laughs> apologize if I sound a little hoarse up here today. And uh, just in case I lose my voice halfway through this and can't say anything else, Jesus loves you. He came here. He died for your sins. You accept Him. You're going to heaven. There we go. Now we can get on with this. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <clears throat> you guys join me in a prayer, please. Lord, thank you for everything you've blessed us with. Please be with those that were mentioned on the prayer list and anyone that we didn't know to put on the list. Thank you for this time of fellowship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the abundance of access we have to it. Father, as we go into the message, we ask that someone hears it who needs to hear it. We ask that You steer the message in the direction You would have it go. Lord, let it reveal to us what You'd have it reveal to us. Lord, let it encourage someone to walk closer with You or to start a walk with You. Let it encourage someone to share You with someone else. Again, Lord, we thank You for everything. And most of all, we thank You for sending Jesus and His sacrifice, which brings us everlasting life. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, today's message is titled, Love Your Job. You guys, uh, you see in the news all the time, here lately in particular, there's a lot of unemployment and a lot of things that are going on in the world. Well, we've got some good news. We're not from the world, and thanks to Jesus, we're not ever going to be unemployed. We have a job with Jesus. We've already been paid way more than what we're worth. We, We have a good job. We should... We should love our job. That's what I want to discuss today. I want to discuss loving your job and the step towards loving your job. The scripture today is from 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. If you want to turn there in your Bibles. If not, I'll read it to you now. Get over there to it. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. You yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. And to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Let's go back for a minute in the scriptures and let's see what happened before the Thessalonian letters. Paul and Silas had established a church in Thessalonica, and after about a month, they they got ran out of town, or... Well, they got, they got snuck out of town. That's probably a better way to put it. The authorities were looking for them, and they probably would have buried them under the town had they gotten their way. But some of the brothers got them out of there. In Acts 17, 1 through 10, the Bible says, Now when they had passed through Amphilius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as his custom And on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and providing that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of rabble, they formed a mob. And they set the city in an uproar, and they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest they let them go and the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea and when they arrived there they went to the Jewish synagogue i like how paul and silas are i like how they're identified here these men who have turned the world upside down what a what a great title you know for forget doctor forget ceo or Esquire or anything else, you know, it's it's almost as good as over in John twenty one. He he refers to himself as the one that Jesus loves. Anyway, I I really like that. These men who turn the world upside down, but that's that's a sermon for another day. Anyway, these these men who turn the world upside down were busy and they had some more stuff to flip over, so they kept on moving. You you know they were busy men because in verses one and two it says they got to Thessalonica. Paul went to the synagogue as was his custom. And verse ten says, when they got to Berea, they started preaching. This is how they worked: just uh, three items on the old checklist for these guys. Get to a new town, start preaching, check. Get beat up, check. Get to the next town, start preaching, check. These guys were busy. This is this is how they made their way <coughs> through the world. And when you're when you're busy with that kind of stuff, there's there's not always time to uh, go back for a. Uh, for a follow-up meeting but they had, they had gotten word back from Timothy that the Thessalonians were crushing it they were they were doing very good they were following the instructions they were given while Paul and Silas were in town you know some parents leave town and the kids they throw a wild party or something like that these these parents left town and the kids cleaned the house and they they watered all the plants you know the the church in Thessalonica and Thessalonica had it figured out i mean it doesn't say it but i mean I guess it was technically like the, the first Baptist Hegerman of the first century, right? They uh, they knew their job and they knew how to do it. Paul and Silas, they stayed in the community and they worked beside the people, introducing them to Jesus, sharing the gospel. And the Thessalonians followed suit and they did as they were shown. They had good training. They knew the job. You know, I've I've had jobs where you walk in and they just throw you the keys and they say get to work right And I've I've had other jobs where the boss sends you just with the best guy and you follow him around for two weeks and he shows you every little nook and cranny of the place he teaches you the job now I mean which one of these jobs do you think I did better at it was the one with the good training right these people here in this church they had Paul and Silas as a training they had some of the best trainers in the New Testament and they knew the job they knew it forwards and they knew it backwards and that's the first step on the way to loving your job is to know the job we all have jobs or we've had jobs or we're gonna have jobs here in the world and the key to be being good at the job first of all is what it's knowing the job right learn the job read the employee handbook we're lucky because our jobs come with a with a handbook too and we can read through it anytime we want In 1 Thessalonians 4 9, the Bible says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. We know our job. Our job is to love God and to love our neighbor. What's the best way to love God? The best way to love God is to do what he says. In John 14 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what does he say to do? Well, in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You guys, uh, you guys ever seen that movie, Forrest Gump? We tells uh, You remember he tells old Jenny, he says, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I can't do it. because <laughs> I'm going to blame the voice, but he says, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. He, he knew what love is, right? Forrest, had, he had seen love. He'd been loved, just, just like with our friends and family, just like with the love that God shows us. You don't have to be a lovologist to understand love. I'm not a smart man either, but I, I know what love is because I've seen love. And I've felt love. I've shown love. We all know what love is. God taught us what love is. We have all felt God's love. Jesus showed us the greatest love there is when he sacrificed himself for us so we could have eternal life. In 1 John 4.19, the Bible says we love because he first loved us. We can turn to 1 Corinthians 13.4 through the first part of verse 8 and get a perfect description of love. The Bible says, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it doesn't insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, love never ends. We understand love, and we understand that we need to love one another. We need to love our neighbors. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus gives an example of love for our neighbor after he was asked by a, by a lawyer who his neighbor was. In Luke ten thirty through 37, the Bible says a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise the Levite. When he came to a place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he, journeyed, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. and he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think prove to be a neighbor the man, to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go, do likewise. A Samaritan had proved himself to be a good neighbor. He, you know, he patched this guy up. He, he put him on his own animal and he, he took him to an inn. He set him up a room to heal. He even opened a tab for any possible future cost. You know, he went above and beyond out of love and our job is to go and to do likewise and what's the best thing you can do to love your neighbor what's better than all the things that the good samaritan did what's better than all of that combined sharing jesus sharing the gospel that's our job introduce people to jesus share the gospel you know we have, we have our instructions of what we need to do we have it right from headquarters over in matthew twenty eight nineteen jesus said go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit there it is there's your job we know the job the thessalonians knew the job and they were doing the job they just needed to do it more and more so we need to ask ourselves are we doing the job if so that's awesome let's do as they should have done and do it more and more if not then we need to start doing the job and that's going to be the the second step do the job in 1st Thessalonians 4.10, the Bible says, For that indeed is what you were doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. Now, how do we do this more and more? It's real easy. We just go out there and we do it more and more. Okay. Now, when this, when this letter was written, there was a rush. You know, if you read on, because Jesus can be coming back any second. Well, guess what? We we have the same rush now. Jesus can be coming back any second. Not to mention, one second from now, you or I, we might not be here. I say this almost every time I'm up here because it's true every time. This may be the last message I ever preached, and this may be the last message that you ever hear. Now, you know, hearing the news about Jesus could be coming back, at any second it might make you wanna quit your job and that was happening a little bit here you know the people didn't want to work what's the point right why why go out there why bust our knuckles let's just relax let's have a good time let's sing some hymns and pray and wait for the Lord to show up we we can't take the day off waiting we work for Jesus and we need to witness and introduce everybody that we can right up till the end are we doing the job if so let's do it more and more Let's let's get some overtime. Let's introduce everybody that we can. Jesus is hiring. We have an awesome job. We're grossly overpaid. <laughs> let's recruit. There's and there's more than enough job openings. You know, I work for the state, and every Monday they put out a list of job openings. And most of them they have an application deadline. This job has a deadline, too. We don't know when the deadline is, but there is one. Some state jobs under the deadline it says open until it's filled. This one would probably say open until it's not open anymore. We don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm sure we'll know when it happens. So let's get to work. <coughs> if we're not doing the job, we just need to figure out why. And we need to get on it. <clears throat> we're hired. We're already paid. We need to get to work. What's stopping us? What, what's stopping us from inviting someone to church? What's stopping us from sharing the gospel at a restaurant or at the store? It's different things for different people. Maybe we're scared that we don't know enough to share. Don't, don't ever let that one stop you. If, if all you know is Jesus loved you and died for your sins so you could live forever, then you have enough to share. Go out there and share that with somebody else. You don't have to know everything about somebody to be able to introduce them. In fact, if, if all you know is his name, then go, then go out there and tell somebody his name. Don't the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus. You know, uh, there's other reasons. Maybe we're scared of persecution, or we're scared of being called a hypocrite by somebody. We need to go ahead and get rid of that, too, because, spoiler alert, we're going to get persecuted at some point, and we're going to get called a hypocrite by somebody. What else stops us? Maybe we get tired. Maybe we're we're embarrassed by our, our faith, or, again, how little we know about it. Maybe we're we're busy caught up in the the things that get us caught up the gossiping I mean it's it's distractions for most of us maybe we're too busy with a hobby I know a big distract distraction for me is technology I'm I'm always on my phone or on TV but but more than that more than I'm on them I'm usually trying to make the stuff work I, I wish I could have a third of the time back I spent trying to make this technology work just imagine all the witnessing I could have gotten done. Now, I don't plan to spend the next half hour or so trashing technology, but I probably could. I have I have a love-hate relationship with technology. I'm a big user of it. I have a TV. I have a radio. I have a cell phone. I have Wi-Fi. I'm on Facebook all the time. Even this sermon's going to end up on, a, on my Spotify or YouTube channel, provided I don't come up here and say something stupid or embarrassing, which... I've learned if my mouth is moving, there's about a 50-50 chance of that. Well, we're all friends. I, we can be honest here. It's about a 60-40 chance of that. You know, I, I could go on complaining about times technology has let me down. I like, You know, I like to talk about how I just want to go and throw it away and become a mountain man and live off whatever I can grow or pull out of a stream or knock over the head with a stick. Or, you know, maybe shoot. Shooting sounds a lot easier than chasing something down and knocking it over the head so maybe maybe I'll sanction technology just up to the point of semi-automatic weapons but that's it that's where I'm gonna draw that's where I, I'll say I'm gonna draw the line it's not true but that that's where I'll say it is my relationship with technology is very toxic it, uh, it lets me down almost every other time but I keep on coming back every time I'm into a video or something rest assured the little buffering bar or the little spinning thing that tells you it's loading it's on its way and I get mad, and I swear it off, and then I go right back to it. the The best way I can explain this: Have you guys ever seen that old Robert Redford movie, uh, Jeremiah Johnson? If if not, that's a good movie. Check it out. Anyway, Jeremiah is a guy who checked out. He got his rifle. He headed for the wilderness. He lived off the land. He grew his hair out. He grew a he grew a big old beard, and he started. Living off the land. There's a scene towards the end where his friend tells him he ought to just give it up and go to town. Jeremiah tells him, I've already been to a town. My relationship with technology is this I identify with that character and that scene of the movie, with everything I am, with every fiber of my being. But I sure do love that big old TV that I'm watching him on. i know it may sound like i'm encouraging you to unplug but i'm not our hobbies and stuff can they can be good we can use our hobbies to share jesus you know if, if you're a tech person you can use it to post a you can post a video or some other resource online about jesus if you're if you're a fisherman if that's your hobby you can you can take somebody with you and while you're over there fishing you can tell them about jesus same thing if you're if you're a hunter or a hiker or something like that, you can you can use your hobbies for some good. You can use it to share the gospel. So I'm not saying ditch your hobbies. I'm just saying watch out. Don't let them interfere. Don't let them interfere with what's important. Don't let it keep you from doing your job. There's you know There's a reason that some companies don't let you bring your phone to work. Anyway, if we're not doing the job and we already asked ourselves why, then the next question is what are we going to do about it? you know let let's pray to get over whatever hang-ups we have let's pray to limit our distractions let let's invite folks to church and remember these these folks might have hang-ups too and they might not want to come but guess what we're all going to be back here next sunday so you can invite them again next week you know you can share jesus at the store or wherever again they might not want to hear it this time but guess what we got to go back to the store for something later so we can share it again over there especially if, if you're lucky enough to have a memory like mine, you're going to go to the store about 10 times a day for the things you forgot. I always, always thought it was a curse until I was writing this. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe that's a gift because now I get to see just all these, just a few more people every time I get to go. And, and being in front of new people is probably way more important than what I forgot anyway. So let let's get to work. And if we're doing the job, let's do it more and more. Let's strive to master the job. That's the uh, third step on your outline: is mastering the job. In First Thessalonians 4:11 and 12, the Bible says, "And aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk proper, properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one." We've all worked with a guy who's mastered the job, right? Almost every company has at least one. He's he's the best. He knows the drill. Even the boss goes to this guy with questions. He's always willing to help, but he's not imposing. He doesn't get involved in the gossip. He's humble. He works hard. He sets a good example. He does, he doesn't seem to be dependent on anyone, and he's he's mastered the job. This is the goal for our job. Try and be a master of the job. And how do we master the job? It says in the text, aspire to live a quiet life. In fact, in Proverbs 17:28, the Bible says even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips. He is deemed intelligent. So try, try and live quietly. <laughs> try to try to be humble. Don't, don't be obnoxious. You know we've we've all worked with that guy too, right? He's he's always bragging about something. He always has something unhelpful to say. He always he has to be the loudest guy in the room. He's always making jokes when it's time to be serious. He's a know-it-all, but he never gets his work done. He has an opinion about everything. He just makes the day drag on and on and on. I'm sure you know him. Uh, where I work, his name's Josh. He's got blue eyes. He's about this all. <laughs> but, but don't worry, I'm, I'm working on it. Next, says to mind your own affairs. Try not to get caught up in the gossip or be judgmental. Our job is to share Jesus and to love one another no place for judgment or gossip this, this is this going to kill your witness and this kind of negative stuff I mean it's it's worse on you than it is on them anyway and acid will eventually destroy its own container just get that stuff out of there and if we have enough free time to get caught up in this then we probably need to get back to work the text says to be dependent on no one and if we're slacking and doing all this other stuff we're depending on somebody else to pick up the slack <clears throat> the problem is there's no slack to pick up, all the would-be uh, slack picker-uppers have the same job as you, and where we all need to be out there, we all need to be hard charging. We need to get everybody that we can, <coughs> and not to mention, if we keep it up, our coworkers who are mastering the job, they might just write us off, as Paul instructs them to do over in Second Thessalonians. In Second Thessalonians three sixteen through fifteen, the Bible says. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked day and night that we may not burden any of you. It was not because we don't have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate for even when we were with you we would give you this command if anyone is not willing to work let him not eat For we hear that some among you walk in idleness not busy at work but busybodies. now such persons we command and encourage in the lord jesus christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living and <coughs> as for you brothers do not grow weary And doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and don't have anything to do with him. That that way he might be ashamed. Don't don't regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Plus, we're we're the examples. We need to walk properly before the out before outsiders. You know whether we know it or not, and whether we want to be or not, we are the examples. We're the workers we're the ones that people are going to see. We we might be the only example that they ever see. You know, whether someone def- decides to follow Jesus or not, they're going to know what a Christian is like and they're going to know what a Christian does from watching us. If they choose to go along and imitate us, that's up that's up to them, but the example, that's up to us. Be a good example. We we already have the best example there is. Jesus so let's do as Jesus did Jesus wouldn't do something he didn't want intimidated intimidated he didn't do something he wouldn't want imitated and neither should we let's let's think about this before we do something as a Christian you know think about that unbeliever or that new believer that may be struggling with faith let's let's think about what they're about to see you do and is it a good example is it is it what a Christian should be doing it should be I was I was in Lubbock the day before yesterday and, you know I put I put the stickers on my truck and the idea was somebody see the stickers and they say hey what's that and I tell them oh it's the it's the gospel and then I explain it to them so anyway we're in Lubbock and this car pulls up beside me and he starts blaring his horn I look over my wife, like, what's this guy's problem? You know what I mean? So, but I rolled down the window to say, hey, what's up? And he says, hey, where are them stickers? I said, oh, okay. So I, I shout the, the gospel to this man outside the window. but I realized after that, that a, I, I sure could have blown that witness, and I could have blown it real quick. I could have. I Blown this guy off. I could have. I could have thrown him the bird. I could have. You know what I mean? There's a. There's a, a number of ways I could handle it. Luckily, I did it the, the correct way. And, and, the, and after I was done, the guy said, "You you have a blessed day." So, I mean, chances are this guy, is, is a believer, and now maybe hopefully he has another tool. But, I, I'm lucky. I mean, it could have, it could have not been somebody who believes, and I could have you know I could have made a bad example or even just being in in a vehicle you know it so we got a a fish on our car we got we got a license plate that says Jesus is Lord or whatever it is that you may have you're doing these things as a Christian so maybe we shouldn't go cutting people off or being being bad examples you know I think I think that the Lord had that man roll down his window and ask me that for a reason when when i got those things on there the idea of course somebody will ask me and i explain the gospel but was that really the case i mean probably i put them on there thinking oh man my friends are going to ask me about it and then i'm going to tell them about it they're going to say oh look at josh that is that is a christian right there look look at him did i do that I, i like to think not but probably that was some of it Luckily, now I don't have to worry about it because God sent someone to blow their horn at me and roll the window down and ask. And I responded appropriately, so I'll use it appropriately from now on. Anyway, we have the, the best job there is. Love Jesus. Love your neighbor. There's absolutely no downside. You know, I have never had a job where there's not at least one downside. Not to mention the pay. It's good pay. It's not, it's not 20 bucks an hour. It's not 30 bucks an hour. It's absolutely everything, every second, forever and ever. And that's some job. you. And you get paid up front. The, the very second you get hired, you get your pay. You know, you think about it. When we got saved, we got everything. We got it right there up front. We hadn't sung one hymn as a believer. We hadn't loved one neighbor as a believer. We, we hadn't told one person about Jesus. You know, we hadn't even been baptized yet, which is probably one of the very first assignments there is and we've already got paid there there's no other job in the world like that <clears throat> not to mention you can't get fired because the boss loves you and it's not just he likes you he thinks you're a good guy he loves you he loves you so much that he died for you that that's some good news and if you haven't been hired yet I've got some better news it's no problem it's the easiest application process you've ever been through all you gotta do is accept it tells us right there in Romans 6:23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And in Romans 10 9, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're already hired, that's great. You're already safe. Know the job. Do the job. Master the job. And most importantly, love the job. I know I love mine. (coughs) If and if you haven't been hired yet, Here's your chance. We're going to we're going to have an invitation. And if the spirit's moving you to to come up here, then please come up here. Maybe maybe you need to get saved. Maybe maybe you need to get hired into this thing, maybe. Maybe you need to complete one of the first assignments. Maybe you need to get baptized. Maybe you want to you need to join the church. Maybe you need some help pointing somebody else to Jesus or maybe you have another need for prayer. Whatever it is, if the spirit's calling you up here, then by all means Come up here. Let's pray. Lord, again, we come to you in thanks. Thank you for all you give us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. Help us, Father, do the work you put us here to do. Help us weed out the hangout, the hang-ups or distractions. Father, if there's someone here who doesn't know you and they need to, to come home, if there's someone here who needs to be saved, if there's someone who needs to reaffirm their faith or be baptized or join the church, please, Father, call them up during this invitation. Father, if someone here is struggling with something they need additional prayer for, please call them up. Father, if that person or these people are here, please call them up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys have a need, please come. Would you dismiss us? Yes. Dear my father, thank you for the message this morning. I'm afraid that you can just, you just help us with the, our, our, our will and, and desire and passion for you, and to accept our responsibility, accept our job. And we know we've done that. As long as we lean on you, nothing bad can happen to us. There's no reason we can't go all in. And and anytime we go, it, it's the world pulling us away from you. I pray that you can just give us a, a desire and a passion to do your work. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Thank you.